that I think the 70 million daily active users is eye-catching, but really what's even more compelling to me is the engagement time. So the average user spends uh, two and a half hours per day on the platform, and that's just a lot of time. <laughs> Hey, what's going on? I hope you're having a good week as always. Uh, so this is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a little while, a business guide to Roblox. Now, there's a lot of conversation around Roblox at the minute with top experiences bringing in hundreds of millions or even tens of billions of visits in some cases. And as you heard in the intro, the platform has 70 million daily active users, which is pretty wild. So I have the perfect guest to walk us through all of this in Steve DiPianco. He runs Metaverse Markham, an advisory and consultancy firm specializing in Roblox. He helps clients understand how to develop, build, scale and monetize in the Roblox ecosystem. So we break it all down in this episode. What really is Roblox? Why do your kids want to go on it all the time and want Robux vouchers for Christmas? Uh, what are the opportunities for creators and businesses? And is now a good time to be getting involved? And I say it in this episode, but Steve is an absolute must follow. He posts awesome content regularly with breakdowns, data, case studies, and what's going on right now on the platform. So I definitely encourage you to go and follow him. His links are in the show notes below. And with that all said, let's get into it. Stephen, really happy to have you on the show. This is going to be a good one. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay, so I think this is a conversation that a lot of people are sort of uh, fishing for or definitely getting far more interested about. Even though Roblox has been around and building for many years, it's definitely kind of made its way more and more into the zeitgeist. Um, it's aging up in, in ways that we'll talk about, and particularly from sort of a, a business point of view. A lot of uh, brands, a lot of companies, a lot of business leaders are thinking about should they be playing in this arena. So we will work through all of that. Uh, we'll talk about kind of monetization a bit later as well. And uh, yeah, whether it's maybe the right thing for uh, your company to do. Before we start, maybe you could just give us a, a little overview of, of Metaverse Markham, what, what you what you do, your consultancy and agency for people. Definitely recommend uh, they follow you because you put out amazing content on the Roblox space. And then we'll dive into kind of what Roblox is and go from there. Yeah, sounds good. So yeah, so Metaverse Markham, we help uh, brands really enter Roblox, understand the space. And so, and as well as the consultancy side, as you mentioned, put out a lot of content. So really analyzing the space, who's doing what, what's performing well, uh, really trying to unpack why and tracking all of the developments with Roblox, right? It's a, it's a big platform. Uh, there's 70 million daily active users. And so there's constant updates to what's happening on the platform. And so making sure I'm um, understanding what's happening with the platform and how that affects potential brands. I've helped brands such as um, Hot Topic launch virtual items uh, in the Roblox marketplace. Uh, also worked with a bunch of other companies, um, whether it's regarding strategy, whether it's regarding monetization, marketing, all of this stuff. So it's sort of a jack of all traits when it comes to helping brands uh, understand Roblox. Yeah, absolutely. And the content is brilliant. And you have some uh, awesome case studies as well, because it's, it's often quite hard to sort of find these stats and these numbers around. So um, they're, they're available on your website. I'll, I'll link everything below, but I found them really helpful just to, to understand what's going on. Let's start at the beginning, though, because I think uh, for a lot of people, they will definitely know what Roblox is on the surface. Maybe uh, they've you've got kids listening and, you know, they play it and you've sort of seen it. But from a kind of business perspective, maybe tell us what Roblox is, because it's as much of a distribution platform now for user-generated games as it is a, a game on its own, really. Um, you, you mentioned that it has just hit 70 million daily active users recently, which is crazy. So yeah, maybe you could just sort of 
give us an overview. Yeah, for sure. So I think the way to think about Roblox, yeah, it's not one single game. I think some people make that uh, mistake uh, if they don't, if they're not super familiar. Um, but yeah, Roblox is a platform, and so. I would think of it akin to YouTube. So YouTube is a platform where people uh, can upload videos. So in the case of Roblox, it's a platform, but instead of uploading videos, people are uploading, creating full games, right? So it's a user-generated platform. And so there's something like over 40 million games on the platform. I believe in uh, 2022, there was something like 20 plus million games that were played on the platform. And so uh, there's a tremendous amount of uh, content there, more and more content getting added every single day and a really, really strong user base. And I think the 70 million daily active users is eye-catching, but really what's even more compelling to me is the engagement time. So the average user spends uh, two and a half hours per day on the platform. And that's just a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild when you compare it to sort of the TikTok and short form video sort of revolution. I mean, people are spending time on there, but it's, it's quite flippant and it's quite quick. And uh, yeah, Roblox is, is a completely different beast where people are really spending a lot of time on the platform, but also in in specific experiences as well. And we'll run through a little case study maybe later. But yeah. Yeah. And just, just, the, just since you mentioned TikTok, I think that's one of the sort of arguments for why brands should really pay close attention to Roblox is because, yeah, that interaction you might get from, from Twitter, as you're saying, it's like, it's very short, right? It's not necessarily something that will leave a lasting impression, but the, if you, if you're going into a Roblox experience, uh, brands are, you know, brands are creating experiences, their own games, branded worlds, and players are spending anywhere from like eight to 10 minutes in these experiences. And so that type of attention that's immersive and you're, you're, it's not a lean back experience. You're really having to lean forward and move your avatar around and engage. And so it's not only sort of like a higher quantity of engagement time, but you could argue that the quality is, is, is higher as well, because people are, again, are having to make choices and be deliberate in how they move in that space. Yeah, absolutely. That's very well said. And, and broadly as well, I think it is speaking to this shift in particularly youth culture of, of gaming becoming the dominant, dominant entertainment category, which it, it has been really for a while, but it's, it's really matured to the point now where a lot like YouTube, where a few years ago, it was very difficult to make and, you know, broadcast your own sort of video content. And then YouTube sort of democratized that. Uh, Roblox has kind of done that in the same way for for gaming culture, which is, is really now the dominant uh, entertainment industry. So it's, um, yeah, it's a sign of where, where we're moving for sure. Also, a couple of misconceptions that I think people tend to have is it will have seen sort of early Roblox, um, you know, videos of games and stuff. And it, it's it's not a um, criticism that a lot of it's very simple or looks very blocky in, in the start because that enabled people to kind of build simple, fun games and, and graphics aren't everything in games for sure. But we have seen a lot of change recently. There's, uh, you know, some very realistic games with a lot of realism, things like Frontlines, Vehicle Legends, and, the, and these new ones that you'd be surprised were Roblox games. And also the the platform is aging up fast as well as that as that generation who grew up with it are getting older so maybe maybe you could speak to a, to a little bit of those kind of misconceptions at times yeah for sure well i think that i think that some of those like some some of those misconceptions about it being just sort of like lo-fi blocky and then kids 
those aren't like totally unreasonable, unfounded <laughs> misconceptions. So there's, there's certainly a, like the majority of content is still in that blocky style. There are still a ton of kids, you know, who are on the platform. So those are, those are true. But I think, I think the way things are shifting is, is, is real in the ways that you're calling out. So yes, uh, higher fidelity experiences are coming. And I think that there's sort of two factors to consider when you think about that. So number one is um, that those are not easy to create. And so when you think about all of the av available creators out there, not everybody, in fact, it's going to be a very small minority at first, are going to have the artistic and technical abilities to be able to pull off that almost like AAA game type feel, look and feel. So that's going to sort of take time for, I would say, the uh, creator base to be able to start to make more and more experiences like that. And I think that Roblox itself as a platform, as it really um, supports its creators through new tools such as like AI, and those things will help sort of uh, re you know decrease those barriers for higher fidelity production. And then on the other side, on the on the aging upside, um, you know, to me, what I've really been struck by is yeah, like what what a high number uh, Roblox touts. Uh, in terms of in terms of uh, its 17 plus um, age group on the platform, and when I did the math, it's something like 41 percent uh, is is over 17 and 17 plus, and I was like, is this real? And it's so hard to believe. But as I've really uh, gotten to kind of work with more brands and speak to more consumers, I've really seen that I've spoken to players who have who have been on the platform, whether they're a player, whether they're a developer, and they say, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I've been on the platform for like eight years, and I'm 20 years old, right, something like that. And so I think it really speaks to the stickiness of the platform, how it really is so engaging. And at this point, from my perspective, yeah, I don't see Roblox really finding net new you know, 20 somethings and attracting them. It's really this, oh, it's been part of my life and it continues to be part of my life as I age up. Yeah, no, that's uh, pretty fascinating stuff for sure. Um, so yeah, so, so kind of going in a little bit deeper, I mean, it's amazing to see what users are creating uh, on the platform. There's some really, uh, you know, incredible game mechanics, really clever sticky loops of stuff. And we'll get into sort of economies a bit and, and how people do that. And really the best thing I'd say to people, you know, especially if, uh, you're a business exec of some sort and, uh, you, you know, is to go and play, go and have a go on Roblox or get, or get a kid to, to show you. And it will be a bit chaotic at first, but it's as you spend a you know, hour, a couple of hours, you start to sort of understand how these things work. But maybe we could run through some of the typical categories of content we see on Roblox because it varies a lot from kind of adventure and role playing sort of uh, through to sort of simulators and tycoon games and multiplayer sort of educational games and all these things so may maybe you could just run through maybe a couple of examples if people haven't spent a lot of time sure yeah so for sure i think role playing is is really massive and you have a, a people if you if you're not familiar with roblox you might have heard of adopt me so adopt me is uh, the most popular most visited game on the platform of all time, it has something like over 30 billion visits. And so uh, Adopt Me is all about sort of pet collection. So you're going and you're adopting 
cute pets and you're creating a home and you're just providing um, sort of like a space for those pets. And it's all about like, ooh, I got this super rare pet, right? So there's a sense of this sort of collection and, um, and very much, I think something that people should also just be aware of is that like Roblox is very much a, a social platform. So there's, um, you know, a chat box where you can, you know, interact with other players who are playing at the same time as you. And so I would say, yeah, role-playing, whether it's like Adopt Me, there's other ones, Lifetopia. These are all places where, uh, yeah, players are able to, um, you know, sort of, sort of wish fulfillment, have your own home, create your own space, et cetera. So role-playing is definitely a big genre. Uh, simulator, as you mentioned, is, a, is another big one, um, a, a really popular, simulator game that I've uh, spent a lot of time with analyzing and, and also playing is uh, Pet Simulator X. So this is uh, one where, again, it's it's another pet-related uh, sort of, uh, you know, example. Um, here you're going around and there's this idea of, like, having to grind. So players are going and they're walking up to different items and they're just sort of tapping their screen if it's you know if they're on a mobile device or clicking their mouse if they're on a on a computer and by doing that you're able to kind of mine that item and that by pressing the button a bunch of times you get coins and then if you collect enough coins you can unlock new levels you can um, go and go to a, like a treasure box and unlock new pets that help you mine faster so this idea of like progression is important in a simulator game and you know leveling up and then certainly one of the sort of more sort of popular well-known um, genres is called obby and so that stands for like obstacle course and so those are very straightforward uh, but i appreciate how there continues to be innovation in the space and so one particular obby that's really been uh sort of blowing up on social media is called obby but you're on a bike and so it used to be Oh yeah, you walk around with your avatar and you're, you know, you're jumping here and there, but as the name implies, this is the same concept, but you're on a bike. And uh, as I've gone on TikTok and seen uh, players playing this game, it's just almost hypnotic when you see people doing these basically like speed run videos through these really difficult courses. And so, uh, yeah, those are sort of like give you a range of like more intricate, like role playing, and then more kind of grindy like simulators and then you have these obbies which are just you know kind of fun challenges yeah there's such a variety on there of all different uh levels and and yeah I, i'm always surprised about what people have made um because some are made by individual you know young people on their own some are made by teams some are made by very professional production teams as well but it's yeah it's fascinating to see just the whole variety coming out of the roblox um studio kind of game engine you can create almost anything anything you want which is is pretty cool and you mentioned some of these sort of progression mechanics in there um it's very hard to cover this in, in one conversation because of the nature of all the games are, are different but maybe you could speak a little bit more about sort of some of those game loops that you that we see because they're so clever ma making people want to stick around and achieve new things and unlock things uh, and then also the role of robux within that so robux is, is roblox's currency which kind of uh, can be generally spent across uh, all games to some degree uh, also you can buy digital fashion items with it as well but there's this sort of progression of, of uh, being able to level up and unlock things faster or buying cosmetic items it's all sort of embedded so yeah maybe you could talk a little bit 
all that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I think the game loop is a important part to tackle. It's one that really is at the core of making a game successful. And, you know, that can lead to longer session times, right? It can lead to uh, greater retention. And so an example of, of a, I guess people will ask me sometimes what's one of my favorite games or what's my, my favorite Roblox game. And it's my Hello Kitty Cafe. And so this is a game that... We'll, we'll work through that actually in the case study later because that's one that's that's on your website and I, I've got it. So we'll, yeah. we'll go through some of that later. But but yeah, do tell us about it. So, so yeah, so I think that's an, an, a really interesting one um, where it's certainly about like you're in this role and you have to sort of one part of it is like this, you have this task, right? So your task is to manage a cafe. And then so as you go through that sort of manage the cafe, you can then sort of like customize and upgrade your space. And then that really leads to the sense of like community and like being able to show off. And so that sort of game loop is really strong. And so uh, in the case of Pet Simulator X, again, it's like, you know, there's that mining sort of like first stage, but then you can then sort of like, you know, earn uh, that allows you to, you know, progress, level up. Uh, and then from there, you can keep going to that, like, unlock sort of like new levels and things like that. And so beyond that, like, I would say that my, like, I'm not a game designer. I've definitely uh, advised on game design and progression. Game loops are still new to me. I'm still trying to figure them out. But, you know, to me, it's like when you go into a game and you're like, able to have a really strong sort of onboarding experience and you understand what's happening and you want to keep playing, then the game loop is working, right? There's so many experiences I've played where I've gone in and I've said, I don't know what to do here and I'm very bored. And then that certainly leads me to bounce. And so from that perspective, it's like game loop, you know, it's sort of like, you know, when it's working, when you're really engaged, but you can tell definitely when that's not the case. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, again, if, if you may be a parent or um, you've got kids in the family, often what they'll be asking for for Christmas and birthdays is, is Robux vouchers to bring into these games and often spend on these game loops either to kind of speed up their progress or to buy some cool cosmetic thing um, to sort of show off as a bit of social proof with their mates or or whatever. So yeah, maybe you could. You obviously buy Robux with real money, um, and that is the beginning of some of the elements of monetization. But um, yeah, could, is, could you speak any more about sort of Robux and the beginnings of that ecosystem? And we'll dive into kind of how you make money as a, a brand. Pat. Yeah. So from the sort of player perspective, yeah, the sort of path is you will go and you will access. Yeah, you will purchase Robux. So you can either buy like a gift card at a at a physical location or online. You can also purchase that right directly on the platform uh, from Roblox and Roblox offers a sort of premium subscription. So you get like a better rate, you get added Robux in your account. If you're a subscriber spending, you know, five, $10 a month that gets, you know, you, your update, updated amount of, of Robux each month. So typically players are spending on either in game. Uh, game passes, uh, developer products, these are sort of, yeah, like you're saying, tools, resources that help them progress more quickly in the game. And I can give examples of that or cosmetics. And then outside of experiences, they can also purchase 
these UGC avatar items. So starting within the games themselves, um, an example of a game pass might be, oh, uh, VIP. So you're a VIP that unlocks a certain sort of benefits within the game that again, to your point, help you just sort of progress faster. So you might get, um, you know, additional, uh, additional sort of like tools that help you mine faster. Um, you might have some sort of like cosmetic uh, sort of features I've seen within sports games. Uh, oh, if you score a goal, you get fireworks <laughs> if you have this extra pass, right? So it's like you get to show off, hey, I, I did this, made this cool move. Whereas like the average player, if they don't purchase that, they won't get that reward. Uh, in that case, right, like that sort of cosmetic feature isn't actually impacting gameplay. It's really just more for breaking rights. Um, so yeah, those are those are sort of on the game side. Um, and then on the UGC side, on the user-generated content side, uh, you know, players can purchase whether it's hair, wings, um, heads, whole bodies, uh, backpacks, sunglasses, uh, you name it. So there's all sorts of virtual items that, that are being created and uploaded onto the platform that players can purchase. Mm. Yeah, that's well um, uh, talked about sort of splitting those two things up because uh, they are quite separate sort of mini economies within within the world. But yeah, and you know, people really care about uh, these digital items that they're buying. It's something we talk about a lot on the show, but um, yeah, you know, uh, kids really value these things. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, more about the Robux economy and how people and brands can make money. It's interesting because there was some news uh, very recently about uh, Roblox are going to introduce uh, links that will click out of experiences so maybe can drive more physical purchases outside of the world. Um, but let's assume you're either an individual or a brand and you've understood a lot of these good game mechanics. Uh, maybe you've employed some people to kind of help you do that because it is a, a absolutely a whole uh, discipline on its own. Um, but assuming you've kind of got that and you're getting people coming back to your game enjoying it and spending robux to sort of unlock things and, and level up as we've talked about how does that potentially translate into sort of real money and maybe you could talk us through the commissions there as well yep yeah so yeah and i would just say before diving into into like the how i would just really caveat that the assumption that it's that someone can make a, a good game mm. can make a popular game that really that really is able to attract enough players uh, and able to convert those sort of free players into paying players, that is incredibly difficult. And I would just go back to going back to my YouTube um, analogy. There's many YouTube channels out there, many YouTube videos. Uh, it is very hard to reach millions of views to be able to consistently uh, monetize on YouTube. And that's, I would say similarly, on Roblox, right? So just knowing, okay, yes, quality matters, uh, really being able to break through, get traction with the Roblox algorithm, getting surfaced in a way that helps you hit a scaled audience um, is critical. So just sort of caveat that first. So if you, if you are able to uh, hit a sort of scaled audience within a game, um, yeah, you're looking at sort of like uh, a couple different ways of monetization potential. So number one is these developer products, these game, these these game passes. So those are um, you know uh, again sold anywhere from 
let's say like 100 to like 300 um, Robux. So we're, we're saying roughly like, I'm just going to make this just general, like a dollar to three dollars, like roughly. Those aren't exact translations. But so, you know, these are small transactions. You need uh, a lot of these transactions to start to be able to, um, you know, add up into meaningful revenue. And on those products, you're seeing developers take approximately like 25% of the sales of those items. Um, so in addition to selling those items, Roblox will also pay out uh, game developers for engagement time. So as mentioned earlier, players can purchase a subscription, a premium subscription to Roblox. Now, if, if you have a premium subscription and you play in a game, the time you spend in that game is counted and there's a payout that's made to the games that really attract and retain and engage uh, premium subscribers. So there's something like called an engagement payout. So that's like a, 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 a I think generally a really small amount. Again, the bigger your audience is, the bigger your scale is, uh, the more sort of microtransactions you can handle, the more payments you'll get from engagement. Sort of Roblox over the past uh, year or so has added a couple new monetization opportunities within games. So one of the bigger ones is advertising. And so experiences, developers of experiences can choose to enable advertising on their in their games. So there's sort of two main advertising units right now. One is digital billboards. And so you can have just a simple 16 by nine display image. It can be used to promote uh, another experience within Roblox, or it can be used to promote just some product or service. So I recently saw there was like a Trolls movie that came out. And so there were Trolls billboards within Roblox in some of these experiences. So developers are paid by, you know, how many people see that billboard. And obviously, again, the bigger your scale, the more monetization is, 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 can be meaningful. There's also what's called these uh, portal ads. So this is a billboard on top of essentially like a doorway and players can go through that doorway and it'll teleport them to another experience. It's mostly brands that are advertising with these portal ads. Uh, but again, those are ways for developers to be able to monetize. And then sort of separate from advertising, there's uh, subscriptions. So subscriptions are new. And uh, so games can offer a subscription to their player base and say, hey, you get special perks on an ongoing basis if you're a subscriber. So those are, those are new. And what's sort of on the horizon is what, uh, what you mentioned, which is e-commerce. And so the ability to uh, link out to sort of brand websites and be able to you know, sell real world goods is, uh, is what's gonna be coming. Yeah, really interesting. Um, yeah, and it's, it's very well said. It's, it's absolutely not a thing that you can just sort of spin up a game in it and it be instantly successful. If, if you do get it right, the numbers can be phenomenal. The top games, like you're saying, you know, top, top games doing tens of billions of views. Many are doing hundreds of millions, tens of millions. I guess traditionally, or up until more recently, it's it's generally been a, a big marketing approach for brands of a lot of awareness with a difficult audience that are, are hard to reach often. 
Um, but yes, we're starting to see these these other ways come through that can offer some some interesting monetization as well. Um, also, then yes, there's the UGC side we've talked about a bit um, with creating uh, digital items, and there's there's lots of sort of uh, amazing young designers uh, who are creating kind of uh, digital UGC clothes, fashion items, and and things in the game, which is is pretty impressive. How does that side of stuff work as well? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I, I sort of forgot to include UGC as the as the part of the monetization opportunities. So yeah, so selling virtual items in the Roblox marketplace is another avenue for uh, monetization. So typically, you will see, uh, in the case of brands, uh, working ultimately with members of the community, right? These are, these are designers, creators. Uh, these are typically not like engineers, like game developers. These are more like focused on, you know, people focused on virtual clothing design. And so um, typically a brand will work and, and contract with uh, those types of creators who really at the end of the day are the experts. These are the, uh, people who are making lots of items, who are uploading them themselves, who are selling them on the platform, who are understanding the trends. And I think this is such an interesting part is that of, of the whole Roblox ecosystem is that, yeah, avatar identity, avatar self-expression is so important to players. As I mentioned, players spend on average like two and a half hours a day on the platform. So they're spending a ton of time and there's certainly a lot of players who care very deeply about how their avatars look. And so they want to uh, update their how their avatar looks, whether it's changing their hair, which obviously is easier to do like with an avatar than it would be in real life. Um, you know, wear fantastical, weird, extravagant, you know, items on their heads, on their backs. Um, and so, because of that, uh, yeah, you have a very vibrant sort of virtual, uh, you know, item economy. And so uh, in that case, uh, if a brand wanted to create something, uh, they can, you know, work with these creators, upload it into, uh, into Roblox. So you can sell those items via the general Roblox marketplace, and you'll find all sorts of items there. And uh, in those cases, brands or whoever the uploader is, the creator of that item gets a 30% split of whatever the sale is. Again, these are even smaller transactions. So I think ultimately like, you know, 50 cents <laughs> uh, a sale, right? And then you're having to split that and only taking 30% uh, of that, you know, of that sale. And then if you actually try to cash out your Robux, there's, there's another sort of like conversion and you have to uh, take an even, you know, sort of smaller percentage. So again, really thinking about UGC as if you're, if you're interested in monetization or even from a marketing perspective, how can we sell more units? Um, certainly understanding trends, understanding styles that, that really resonate, uh, types of items that are important. If you have a brand or an IP that is really, you know, popular with younger people. Those are all things that can lead to success. But, um, you know, from a marketing perspective, uh, so many, so many brands are launching games and then using UGC free items 
as a way to attract players into their games. And so brands are spending money to create limited items that they can give away for free. And those are used for, for user acquisition. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting as well as Nick's. That does seem to be a strategy that a lot of brands are doing, which can be a positive thing to get people in. But if the game isn't good or if they haven't got the other things right, <laughs> then it can be a quick drop off for people coming and grab that free item and then and then leave and stuff. So um, absolutely. Yes, it's a fine balance of all those things. And it's it's quite a humbling thing as well. I think if you are new to this uh, sort of world, I remember it a little bit when uh, YouTube came around and a lot of sort of TV uh, legacy people thought they knew how to make content and so tried to make TV on YouTube, basically. And it wasn't the culture of the space and it wasn't what people wanted to watch, you know, with multiple cameras cut all professionally. It's like these... You, you have to go to the people who really understand and really spend time on these platforms and they have been there for years to to sort of trust their judgment on, on some of this stuff uh, is, I think, a good point for sure. Um, we, we've got this uh, case study here. Now, this is available on your website, metaversemarkham.io. I'll leave it in the links. And it's for that Hello Kitty um, experience that we began uh, talking about a little bit. I thought we could just run through it quite quickly and, and obviously people can dive in deeper um, if they want to, but there's some great sort of stats in here. The the case study itself is, is goes into a lot of depth, so I think it's it's good thing to look at. Um, uh, and it's well, it's well priced on on the website. I forget exactly how much, but uh, not not low. So yeah, I mean, let, let's just quickly run through this. So this essentially is um, a Hello Kitty, the the IP that's that's massive, um, their own game. Which I, this is really an example of um, an IP and a brand that took I think about a year to build this um and and have really incorporated almost everything you can do on roblox you know all the sort of different uh mechanics and game loops and that type type of thing it's it's a very sort of high-end experience if you like i think there is probably an argument for you know smaller viral games as well that aren't so complex but this is an interesting one to look at so essentially you sort of design and run your own cafe so uh you know you you go through a little tutorial and then you have to sort of take orders in the cafe as people start arriving you have to hire staff expand your physical store increase its popularity you can go into the city to explore as well so it's interesting i think for kids and for parents with kids when they're on roblox a lot like when you're watching youtube you can watch content that is kind of mind-numbing and a bit sort of um you know maybe not great or you can do ex- and play experiences and watch content that that's actually quite educational and this is in some parts quite a good business les- lesson for for various things i think so it's it's quite cool um maybe you could just run us through some of the top line stats on this because they're pretty staggering for this experience yeah for sure so yeah hello kitty as you as you mentioned is is one of the more robust like branded experiences out there and to me they really they really nailed it and so it is one of the top brand experiences of all time has over 344 million visits and to me, what's really interesting is just the really long session time. So this is 20 minutes of average play time in the experience. And I think, yeah, it, it really um, is able to do it, like you said, you know, calling out the mechanics, the progression, the detail, you know, the complexity, the fact that you're doing so much, uh, putting this case study together, uh, I put it together after working on a Vans case study. Vans has about a hundred plus million uh, visits lifetime, and it's really successful. But they're just very different. And so Vans is is a skateboarding game. It's much more lightweight. There's not as much like customization. 
um, you know, sort of complexity to it. Um, and so the fact that the fact that Hello Kitty really allows you to, okay, I'm going to buy a cappuccino machine. I'm going to buy a coffee machine. I'm going to buy a place for, you know, to hold muffins and another machine for bagels. And then what sort of, you know, what sort of, um, you know, like statues and plants do I need on the exterior and how does that look? And, oh, I need to rest my staff because they're getting overworked or no, I need to feed them. There's, yeah, there's so many levels to it. And, and to me, I guess, so as a player, I've enjoyed that. Like I've enjoyed being able to uncover sort of new areas. And I've, I hit a point when I was playing where I was like, oh, I, I'm kind of stuck. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know why I'm not leveling up as fast. So I went to YouTube and I was like, how do you play my Hello Kitty Cafe? And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. I've got to go complete these daily quests. Like, oh, I'm, I, I was missing that, right? And it's like, oh, okay. And then like, you know, I need to hire more staff to do this. And so, and so for me, it was like, you know, again, like to your point, if you really want to understand this space, really going in and playing. Uh, to me, I'd played so many other branded games that were not fun, that weren't this complex. That so Hello Kitty was one where I was like, oh, cool. I can, I can spend <laughs> hours and hours playing because it's so much fun. And I think part of it too was, you know, you mentioned like if you have kids, like there's lessons here about business and management and things like that. So my daughter, like probably a year before I started playing my Hello Kitty Cafe, had played a restaurant game and she had shown me, hey, do you want to see my restaurant? And like, okay, here, let's go up to the second floor and go over here. And I was like, wow, this is, yeah, she's like learned how to manage a restaurant by creating this game. And so, you know, I think that's both like, you know, that's, that's part of the entertainment is the learning is the like, oh yeah, I've never worked in a restaurant. Now I know all the things that, you know, uh, are part of like, you know, purchasing items for a restaurant and managing a restaurant. I don't know that I could do it well, but at least I have a, you know, sort of greater knowledge thanks to playing this. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? And I, I like educational experiences seem to be on the rise as as well on, on the platform, I, th I think. And, and it's just, it's a great way to learn. If you, you know, think about it in schools, if, if you can learn playing games and unlocking things and that sort of thing, it's, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? I pulled out a few things from the great case study just quickly, but one thing that I'm not sure people um, maybe initially realize is that the best experiences are kind of living games that are always updated or, you know, very, very regularly. So it's, it's not like you often ship a game and then kind of leave it. The best ones are kind of constantly new things or, or the debt uh, all the time um, and often kind of linked to time specific events as well and seasonal things. So I think they linked it to world kindness day once and had some special kind of emotes and things for that. And also when Christmas comes around, I'm sure there'll be Christmas specific items and uh, decorations and things you, you can get as well. Uh, we talked about having like a really clear, great onboarding tutorial at the beginning. So it's, it's sort of clear uh, of what to do. Uh, we mentioned about game passes and offering kind of a premium experience, maybe access to a VIP area. There's some great social elements where you can visit other people's builds and things like that. Uh, cosmetic upgrades. There's even like promo codes that exist off platform to help people help bring people into this game in the first place. Uh, I think I'm, I assume on other websites and stuff that you can find the promo codes to get you stuff in the game. I thought that was quite smart. 
you see leaderboards a lot. So obviously people love competition amongst their friends or or the kind of broader people using it. Yeah, and there's lots of compelling game loops. And like I say, the best way is to is to go through this case study and sort of play it at the same time and you understand it. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty fascinating one. Is there, is there anything else from that that you think is kind of important or a good example? Yeah, I think I think I think just the the customization. It was something that I didn't quite realize, but I I, I as I did more digging and saw um, sort of other players' experiences via YouTube, it really it really hit home for me. So, right, you go in, you imagine you create your own cafe, right, in this game. So you can you can buy big tables, you can buy small tables, you can buy sort of you know stools, you can buy you know, chairs with backs, right? So there's all sorts of like the customization is endless. And where you place these items is totally up to you. There's a grid, you can place them all kind of close together, you can spread them out, whatever. But then, you know, the Hello Kitty IP has uh, sort of different characters, right? There's there's Hello Kitty, but there's also all of these sort of side characters, Karopi and, and, and all these other ones I don't even know. And so I, I watched this YouTube video where somebody went and said, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a tour of like really cool Hello Kitty cafes, and you go and you see wow, such a variety of styles, and you say wow, my cafe looks terrible compared to these ones. Like this one is amazing, and look at the style, and look at the layout, and look at how consistent the the theme is. You know, this one's all Hello Kitty, and this other one is all Karopi. And oh, this one, they did the Halloween update. And so it's all Halloween decked out. And so it, you know, it does uh, two things. So like number one, it's just like, uh, sort of like serves as inspiration. It's like, oh, wow. Like I can, I could do that. Like if I really, if I really, you know, were able to, you know, kind of use my creativity, um, but in, in, in that way. And then another thing it does is really just like, I think, kind of help spread, right? Like, you know, when, when people are seeing that on YouTube, it's like, oh, wow, I got to go check that one out, like, and go on a tour of these, you know, cafes as well. And so I think Hello Kitty, again, is like really the gold standard to me of, you know, like not only branded gameplay, but just it's a really solid game, you know, in general. And so for those who are interested in entering the space, it's like, Hey, not everybody has to jump up and try to be Hello Kitty. That would be incredibly difficult. It is so good. Uh, I believe there is a really big team, you know, working on it and keeping it live, updated, fresh on a regular basis. Um, but if you're looking for like inspiration, to me, that's just, you know, there's so much there. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've only got a few minutes uh, left, but I, I had a few final questions for you. Um, the first one being, do you, do you think that we are still in a phase of massive opportunity here, both sort of for brand awareness and financially? That comes with the sort of caveats we've talked about. But where are we on sort of the curve of adoption and opportunity, do you think? Yeah, so we're still, I, I, I think we're still very early. So I believe this year, um, Roblox has had in the ballpark of like 250 sort of brand sort of activations on the platform um the year before it was maybe close to 200 a little under 200 so the number of brands is scaling up but it's still like relatively small if you think about that again relative to like a youtube it's like how many brands are on are on youtube now right it's it's like i don't know 
hundreds of thousands of brands are on YouTube, if not millions. And so, um, so we're still like very early days. I would say that, yeah, there is an opportunity to reach an audience and, and that like mark from a marketing perspective. Absolutely. I would say this though, that like it only gets harder, right. To be able to break through, to cut through all the noise, to really do something that's new and different and worthwhile. Um, if you have enough budget, you know, you can do things like leverage these portal ads and, you know, offer free UGC. Those can help in terms of driving discovery. If you're building your own experience, you can also integrate your brand into an existing game that has scale. Um, Livetopia does this a lot, working with really big brands. And that's a that's sort of a faster, more guaranteed way to hit those sort of marketing objectives. To me, the opportunity with monetization is really what's most exciting. And when you think about, oh, hey, average order value currently on Roblox being, let's say, a dollar. <laughs> People are spending a dollar. That's not, you know, again, it's going to be incredibly hard to build a, a, a serious revenue stream off of that. But when you think about this ability to link out and, oh, hey, maybe the average order value becomes $25. And then it's like, okay, great. Now we're really, now we're really talking. There's assumptions there that people, the user base will want to do that, that they will link out, that they will purchase. But when you think about, again, all the engagement time on the platform, when you think about the aging up demographics, when you think about, as you said, gaming, really being like the primary source of like, you know, entertainment, the number one sort of entertainment medium for younger audiences. When you take all of those together, you say, hey, if they're spending time here, they're already spending some money in virtual spaces. They still need to do e-commerce. They still need to purchase things. This can be, we've seen it, uh, Roblox as a discovery tool, then it's not a huge leap to say, okay, they will convert. Uh, I think it's going to take time. Uh, but the brands that are active on the platform now, that are really understanding how to speak and show up in authentic ways that resonate with the players on this platform are the best position to take advantage of e-commerce, right? So if you're not on the platform, if you're not, you know, testing, learning, you're not going to be able to suddenly stand up like a successful experience and then start selling against it. So to me, it sort of speaks to this broader, you know, concept of like, virtual spaces and virtual immersive internet and more commerce in the future, immersive e-commerce. Uh, this is a path to, uh, to that future. And, you know, the more brands can start to test and learn the better position they will be to stay relevant uh, with these younger generations and be able to drive, um, you know, growth in the future. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. And uh, absolutely sounds very smart. Yeah. To, to not wait and turn up when you know maybe this clicking out to, to physical products uh launches to get in early and to understand it like you say and, and be building in there and be familiar with it now or as soon as you can if, if you want to play in that arena it is uh is definitely a good idea uh final question then i guess is where do brands go if they want to sort of start their journey to you is is probably a, a good answer there and also are there sort of any common mistakes that you see generally if somebody's a, a brand or company are quite new to this space that they could avoid straight away yeah absolutely so yeah so i work with brands of of sort of all shapes and sizes um happy to advise and help them directly or refer out to others in the space if they need help with development 
uh, if they need help with, um, you know, sort of creation of virtual items. So all of those things, I think from the mistake standpoint, certainly um, it's easy to see a lot of brands who, uh, who just don't have really clear goals. Right. And that's, that's just a challenge. I understand this, right. They understand like, Oh, we should be here, but we don't, we don't know what's happening. And I think as much as you can really define your goals, both in the short term, as well as in the medium and long term, uh, the more set up for success you can be. If you if you're if you're dedicating any budget, any resources towards Roblox, whether it's small or whether it's big, but you don't know what you're trying to do, if you haven't figured that out, uh, that's a problem because then there's no way you can succeed. And so really just getting clear on goals, whether it's more marketing, whether it's testing in, in order to sort of put yourself on a path towards monetization, whatever those things, the more you can really define those, uh, you know, the more likely you'll be for success. Mm, absolutely. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Well, uh, Steve, thank you so much. This, I know people are going to find that really, really valuable because it's uh, something that a lot of people are, are trying to kind of understand at the minute. So thank you so much. And um, just remind people uh, where they can go to kind of follow uh, your content, uh, reach out and all the awesome work that you do. Yeah, for sure. So metaversemarcom.io is my website. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter where I post content every week about all that's happening with Roblox and brands. Uh, you can also follow me on LinkedIn, posting every day to LinkedIn, more content as well. So yeah, appreciate being here and um, yeah, love to continue to, you know, stay in touch and figure out as this space continues to evolve. Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely. Uh, I'd love to have you back and, and definitely go and sign up to that newsletter because it is, it is awesome. I read it every week. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, uh, Steve, for coming on. Cheers. Thank you. So there we go. A stellar episode from Steve. Loads of good stuff in that. So thank you, Steve, for coming on. Uh, as I say, do give him a follow. All his details are below. And yeah, a good time to be understanding this stuff, getting used to it, potentially starting to build uh, or at least getting familiar with this world. It shows no signs of slowing down. Uh, so thank you very much for listening and uh, have a great rest of your week. And I'll see you for next week's episode.